Welcome to another episode of the Redeemed Man Podcast. The goal of the Redeemed is to provide a supportive community where all men can open up about challenges, worries, and failures, and celebrate their triumphs over those struggles. We hope you find this episode informative, relevant, and most of all, inspiring. Enjoy. Hello and welcome. I'm Paul Amos, founder of The Redeemed. Today, we are honored to have a local head of the Central High football team, Coach Pat Nix, with us. And we want to uh, give him a big round of applause and an excitement. And Coach, we're just excited to, uh, to welcome you to the show today. Thank you. Great to be with you. Um, so if you don't mind, we're going to start with some rapid fire questions. Our audience has given us some feedback and we usually do that at the end of the show, but we'll fire off with some questions now. Coach, what are you currently reading? Uh, currently I'm, I'm reading the Bible. Um, uh, I'm trying to, to read it through in a year. Um, and have got some couple other things that I'm doing, but, um, but in, in the process of, of reading the Bible through in a year, um, and have, Quite honestly, I've, I've absolutely loved it. I've done it a couple of times, but I've absolutely loved um, doing it. And have, it's amazing how it gives you something different every time you read it. That's a true task. That's a difficult one to accomplish, and uh, that's exciting. My son, my second son, Mansell, who plays college football at Wheaton in Chicago, Illinois, um, is uh, doing the same thing. And I'm super proud of him for taking on that task while also doing his college classes. Um, favorite food? Oh, um, well, crazy as it is, my family thinks I've lost my mind, but I went kind of vegan, vegetarian, um, about a little over a year ago, but still my favorite food is steak. If you can give me a good steak, I'm going to have to eat it. So, um, so I'd have to say steak. And then what do you, what fa- what's your favorite sport that's not football? Uh, you know, It'd be a toss up between baseball and college basketball. Um, you know, love watching both of them. You know, we're we're a sports family and, and enjoy watching almost any sport. To be honest with you, um, anybody that is, I enjoy watching anybody that is has labored at something and goes out and competes and throws their heart on the line um, and and knows that failure is a possibility. Um, I enjoy watching it. To be honest with you, I, it almost doesn't matter what it what it is, but anytime there's competition involved, um, I enjoy it. Well, you may not know this, but I went to Duke, and so I'm a very large college basketball fan, uh, as you might imagine. Uh, got my heart broken a little bit this year that Tennessee came down and already took care of getting the Blue Devils out of the tournament, uh, but still going to watch these boys persevere and see what happens. Let's shift now and, and, and kind of get into the meat of the questions. And the first thing I want to ask you is the question that we kind of ask everybody, and that's what does redemption mean to you? You know, when I think of the the word redeemed um, in the coaching profession, or at least in my circles, um, we talked a lot of we talk a lot about um, whether it be a coach or a player that they have some redemptive qualities. Um, you know, that this, this player has some redemptive qualities, and what does that mean? That means that those qualities save that player because if it wasn't for those those qualities, he would be no good. Um, or those qualities save that coach because if it wasn't for those qualities, he wouldn't be any good. He doesn't have a whole lot of other qualities like he might not be fast, but he's big. You know, he might not be big, but he sure is fast. He might not really be able to, to think really well, but his athletic ability, his his redemptive qualities. Um, and so, you know, I sort of think of when I think of the word redeemed, I think of those redemptive qualities that those qualities that kind of save you because without those qualities, you wouldn't really be any good. And when it comes to the eternal perspective, it's pretty, you know, pretty much the same thing that without the the redemptive quality of Jesus Christ we're really not any good um you know without without his blood shed for us and us um accepting that is into our life and him as our lord and savior um our lives are worthless and, and not any good so he is our redemptive quality just like a, a player or a coach whatever it may be that those redemptive qualities that they have um is that's what I think of when I think of the word redeemed and redemptive well thank you for that We'd love to step back a little bit into your history and hear about both your faith journey as well as your journey as a coach, if you wouldn't mind sharing a little bit with us. Yeah, my, um, I'm very fortunate. I'm very blessed. My dad was a high school coach. Uh, my mom and dad, incredible, um, strong, godly Christian people, um, have an older brother that's a very strong Christian. Um, and so growing up, um, you know, my life was was 
filled with with sports, um, with my dad being a high school coach. Um, I was either in a gym, I was on a field, I was on a baseball field, whatever, because um, most, a lot of my growing up, he was at smaller schools, and so we were playing all the sports, doing everything all the time. Um, but but the great thing about it, I was around my dad all the time. You know, with him being a high school coach, um, I learned how to literally take a helmet apart and put it back together when I was about five or six years old. Same thing with shoulder wow. pads. I was, you know, sweeping locker rooms when, when I was six. One of my greatest memories of growing up was the last thing my dad ever did on a Friday night, whether we were at home or away, he got the broom and he swept the locker room. And and I remember that of doing that with him and, um, and him being the head coach and having all those coaches that could do it with him. Um, you know, but I, I can remember that all the way through college and even after college, when I'd go back to visit, um, even when I was in college or coaching and recruiting, I'd go back and visit, he would still get that broom out and sweep the locker room is the last thing that he would do before he would leave, um, you know. And so I was just I was very fortunate, very blessed to be around um, him in that capacity. Um, you know, growing up and being able to see the qualities um, of a godly man, of a godly coach, um, growing up, and so so very thankful for that. And um, ended up playing. Um, and, and long story very quickly, and, and we'll get into some of the details as we go, but. Uh, my dad was a high school coach and, and got fired at one school um, and ended up at another school for my 10th, 11th, and 12th grade year. Um, and you can imagine as a ninth grader when your dad gets fired, you're very hurt, very angry, um, sort of mad at the world type of thing. But it was it was when I started understanding that God has his hand on my life and, and if I trust in him, everything is okay. And um, that's sort of during that time when Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 became my favorite verse and still is to this day that if I just trust in him with all of my heart, He'll lead me, and I don't have to do it on my own understanding that that he'll direct my path. And so, and I didn't understand at the time how my dad would get fired, and you know, because he was very successful where he was. But but God needed me to get to where I was going so He could get me to Auburn to play, um, so I could meet my wife, um, and and just everything go from there. So um, so without a doubt, um, you know, I can look back at moments like that and, and realize that. That there, there's no doubt that God's hand was was with me during those times, and and He was directing my paths, even when it didn't didn't seem fun, didn't seem fair, didn't seem like it was um, what I wanted it to be. Um, it was exactly what He wanted to be. Um, ended up at Auburn, ended up playing at Auburn. Um, spent um, after Auburn, spent 18 years in college coaching, um, and now have spent 10 years in high school coaching. Um, you know, from there. Well, what was your biggest challenge as a player at Auburn? Uh, um, probably my biggest challenge, quite honestly, was not playing my first three years. Um, you know, I'd always, every sport that I'd ever played, I would, I'd always played. I'd always been the starter and always played. And same thing with quarterback. Um, you know, even as a ninth grader, got a lot of playing time at, at you know, in high school and <clears throat> started as a 10th, 11th, 12th grader. So, you know, when I got to Auburn, <clears throat> excuse me, having to sit the bench those first three years and, um, those were Coach Dye's last two years, and we were five, five and one, and five and six. Didn't make bowl games. Um, I was walking in thinking that we were going to to play for SEC championships and national championships. And the next thing I know, um, none of that's happening. I'm not playing. We're losing, um, and it was very frustrating. Um, you know, especially those first two years, and um, of not understanding, you know, why I wasn't getting a chance, why I wasn't getting to play, and um, you know, and I think without a doubt. Once again, um, you know, I can go back to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 that just trust in him and let him, you know, lead the way. And, and, you know, me not playing my first two years and all the way through my third year until the the Auburn-Alabama game, you know, enabled me to come off the bench, throw a touchdown pass to, you know, to, to in the 93 Auburn-Alabama game that was a huge play, one of the, you know, probably top five, ten plays in, in Auburn history, you know, type of thing, and, and set it up to where, you know, he would get the glory you know, through that game and, and through me instead of just me doing some average things and, and going in and playing. No, he had something different, you know, and it was a little bit more spectacular and a little bit crazier than anything I could ever imagine. Um, and so so going back to your question, I, I would say that but sitting and not being able to play, you know, those first, you know, three years was, was very challenging and very difficult um, for me. Um, you know, to have to sit there as an athlete and do, and I did a lot of growing spiritually and, and it was really good for me in a lot of ways, but, but athletically was not a whole lot of fun. You know, I telling that story about your dad 
and being so humble and that demonstration of humility of sweeping the floor in the locker room when he could have delegated that. I can imagine that the humility that you had to learn going through sitting the bench for several years and then having the opportunity to achieve at such a level. How do you try to bring humility to the coaching realm and teaching the kids today about being humble, especially with the talent that you have? I think it's, I think it's very similar. I think that they need to see uh, me doing all the little things right, um, you know, and, and, and see that, um, <clears throat> like, for example, we have a – when we and this is as simple as it is, but we have a way when we come into our facility um, – we have a little one way that goes out, and you, if you don't go in the one way, which is the wrong way to go, uh, but when nobody's here at 6 o'clock in the morning when I get here or whatever, you can come down that one way and, and no big deal and it's real quick, or you can go down the correct way and not go down the one way and have to go all the way around the parking lot and it takes you a little bit longer to get here. But just doing a simple thing like that, of, of doing it the right way and not going the wrong way, um, of never knowing what players in the parking lot that might have been there early that, that sees you or a parent or whatever it is and um, or just you know trying to do the little things around the locker room uh, to let the players see that the little things matter. Um, mm-hmm. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter you know what your title is. Um, that you still have a job to do. That you still. I um, mean, it really comes down to the to the bottom line is that you just you have pride and you love it. You love people and that you you want to take care of people. And I think my dad and, and seeing him sweep that floor, it it was you know a humble act, but it was one of those sort of like washing feet that. that it was something that needed to be done. And so um, if it needs to be done, you do it. And and I think that that's something that I try, you know, to do and I've always tried to do is that, you know, when something needs to be done, you do it. You don't, you know, necessarily tell somebody else to do it all. You know, you, you just – you do it. You don't have a choice. Um, it just has to get done, so, so you do it. And I think that when you model that to your players, it gives them that illustration of, you know, even our head coach is doing this – I need to be doing those those little things also. Yeah, that's wonderful. Well, so that may lead into what is your greatest joy in coaching? Uh, you know, I would say without a doubt, my my greatest joy is is seeing the guys. You know, and it's 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 a constant deal. You know, seeing the guys those little aha moments, and when the light comes on, and they finally figure something out. Um, when you when you've been pushing them and trying and. You know, because our guys, you know, and it doesn't matter where you're coaching. And I've coached at a lot of different places. Uh, doesn't matter where you're coaching. Players are are all the same. They all go through difficulties. They all go through their challenges. Some have it better than others, uh, but all of them uh, want the same thing, and that's to be the best they can. You know, and they, and they just sometimes they don't know how to get there. They don't know exactly, um, you know, what they're doing and and how to do it, and and. Um, so when we're, you know, investing in them and pouring into them and they finally get something, you know, whether it be that, you know, you know, classes that they finally figure out that, hey, I got to do this. You know, if I'm going to be able to make it, I'm going to have to do my, my classwork or, you know, maybe it'd be just something as simple as, as you know, learning how to, you know, to, to read a coverage or something. So it's just it's fun to see at this age, you know, guy, the, these young men are so impressionable. Um, they're learning every day. Um, so it's fun to watch them learn. It's fun to watch them grow. It's fun, fun to watch them take those little steps um, that we're just part of that journey on. Um, you know, and then you know, at the end of the day, it's it's a lot of fun to have those guys um, call back, or you see them later on, and they're married, they've got kids, they're in the ministry. Uh, I've got several co- um, players that are now in the ministry, and they'll call and and talk to me. Um, you know, so it's just fun to to, to see them, um, and you. It, you don't have to – I know but from being in, in sports for as long as I have how how valuable coach, the coaches are, you know, in, in these kids' lives. So, so, quite honestly, you don't have to have them call you back and tell you this, that, or the other. You know the impact that you've made, um, you know, just because you were in their life um, because that's just the, the, the role of a coach. You know, um, Billy Graham said that a coach will affect more lives in one year than most people will in a lifetime, you know, and, and, and he's 100% right. I mean – you know, the, the impact that we have, uh, we're very fortunate with, and I'm very blessed. And that don't I don't take it for granted at all. Very, very thankful and fortunate that we have those daily impacts on these kids. And, and I think that's the greatest joy is to know that you have that impact on a daily basis. When you – I had the opportunity as I was getting ready for today to watch your interview when you joined Central. 
And it was very clear from the outset that being a student athlete, not just an athlete, was important to you. And what joining these kids, making them more well-rounded. Can you talk for a minute about, you know, kind of influencing these kids beyond the football field and what you're trying to round them out and make them into men? Yeah, I'm a, when it's been this way a long time, I'm a Luke 252 guy. And, um, you know, every job that I've ever taken, um, especially head job, um, I make sure that they understand that I'm a Luke 252 coach. Um, and Luke 252 is the only transitional verse, really, from when Jesus was a young boy until, you know, 30 years old, really, when his ministry started. And it says that in Luke 252, it says that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature in favor of God and in favor of man. Um, and so I believe in those four pillars um, as a head coach, as a dad, um, as a, a, that's how we have to grow as an individual, uh, that we have to grow in wisdom, that we have to grow in the, our understanding, our knowledge. Um, and so being in class is so important, you know, and understanding that, that going to class is important because we have to grow in that area. Um, a lot of guys, they don't want to grow in that area. They don't want to go to class necessarily. They don't, you know, math doesn't make any sense. Why am I going to math class? Why am I having to learn history? Why am I having to learn this science? You know, but it's not about that. It's about just growing in wisdom, growing in understanding, growing in knowledge that you're just growing, you're learning. Um, and, and that learning process is very important. We do not want to, I don't want to grow up and later on in life not be able to read or understand things just because we were lazy in high school. Um, you know, you want to have that foundation of, of knowledge and wisdom and understanding. So, you know, we want to grow in wisdom, we want to grow in stature. Obviously, you know, everything we do here, um, we're constantly trying to develop them as a player um, to, to where they're bigger, faster, stronger. They understand the game better, all that kind of stuff. So the stature part is sort of a given when it comes to a coach, because that's that's more of our job than anything is to train them, you know, athletically, uh, but also socially, you know, trying to get them to where they understand that um, the world's more important than just them. You know, there, there's there's other things out there that's it's very important to serve others. It's very important to get involved in your community. So we try to do community service projects um, here at, at Central. You have to have so many service hours to in order to graduate. So for us. We just bleed right into that to where we try to provide our guys with a lot of different, you know, ways, whether we go to an elementary school and um, read, whether we go to an elementary school and we just help get the in the bus line and the carpool line of getting the kids out of school, whether we're doing a serve project on a Saturday, um, whether we're painting, you know, a parking lot here at the high school, um, you know, whatever it may be, just trying to serve, just trying to give back and just trying to understand your place in the community, your place in, in, in the social network of things that, that life is not just revolving around you, but life is about helping others. Um, and then also the spiritual aspect. You know, I, I, when I'm any job that I've taken, I make sure they understand that, you know, when I walk it, when they, when I walk through these doors, I can't help it. Jesus Christ is coming. I just, you know, it goes back to Jeremiah. If I keep him inside of me, I just burn it. He's just got to come out, out of me. I'm sorry. You know, all my DNA, everything that I've ever known from when I was a kid um, goes back to the Bible and goes back to Jesus Christ. And so it just, there's no way I'm going to be able to take a job and not use the Bible as illustrations, not talk about Jesus. I just, I can't do it. You know, that's just who I've been for 50 years now. And it's, it's I pray that that's who I am for the next 50 years. And so, um, so that spiritual element of trying to, to give our guys and, you know, obviously the spiritual part is not mandatory, um, but try to give our guys every opportunity spiritually they can um, to know who Christ is and have a relationship with Jesus Christ um, and, and giving them the opportunities through Bible studies, um, you know, through guest speakers come in just through, uh, different, you know, things that we do. Uh, we're fortunate. We have a lot of very strong coaches, strong Christian coaches um, that are able to mentor and, and, and really come alongside and um, and love on these players. And so so I, I think that, you know, that's the, the way, you know, I've been instilled. I think I saw it from my dad. I think I've seen it through other coaches that I've been around that, you know, life is a, a lot more than just football. Um, it is truly – you know, Luke 2.52, it's growing, you know, in wisdom and stature in favor of God in favor of man. Um, and if Jesus had to do that, then we sure need to be doing that on a daily basis. You obviously are leading these kids in a tremendous way. Um, as I sit back and I think about who is it that influenced you? 
Who is it that had the biggest impact on your leadership as a coach? Well, you know, first, obviously, my dad, you know, I've talked about so much. Um, he had, he's, and still does, um, talk to him almost on a daily basis. He still has the um, greatest impact on me than, than anybody in, in, in my coaching career from the time I was a little all the way through. And, um, you know, and, and don't let me get out of here without telling the story of my ninth grade year of my dad and the greatest impact of my life, the greatest moment impact of my life. But, um, but also between my dad, you know, guys like Bill Gray. Uh, Bill Gray was the head coach. At, and I've been fortunate at every stop that I've had of having different people in that stop that were there to mentor me or to come alongside me, you know, those kind of things. Um, you know, whether it be, you know, different members on the staff, like the first job I ever took at Jacksonville State University, it was the head basketball coach, Bill Jones, um, that mm-hmm. he and his wife, um, my wife taught with his wife at the high school. He was the basketball coach. Um, his youngest daughter was in my wife's class. She babysat our kids a lot, um, and just just meant his mentorship, him him coming alongside and watching him, and seeing him being in church, see him leading devotions with his team of just him just sort of loving on me and being there for me. And then we go to Henderson State. I'm a head coach at the age of 25. I'm a head football coach in Division Two, um, and but just going and, and really getting invested in the church there and having a couple of men out of that church that really were there to be such supportive guys for me that one's still one of my best friends to this day that, you know, was, was the campus minister there that just was, I was able to be with, and we were same age and both doing basically the same thing and not knowing what we were doing, but just being on fire for Christ and just wanting to, to change the world, so to speak, you know, um, and then, you know, a guy like Bill Gray, who was at Sanford when I got there, who um, it was the head coach at Sanford for several years. Now he's over FCA in the st- city of Birmingham. He and his wife and their family, uh, they're about 10 years ahead of us. And, and between their, their kids and my kids and them and us, probably the greatest thing, you know, the, the mentorship between all of us. Um, and we're all still unbelievably close um, you know, to this day from my, our kids to, you know, my wife and his wife and he and I um, just so close. And then, you know, Chan Gailey, when I get to Georgia Tech, you know, and watching Coach Gailey live out his faith and be a very strong Christian man. And, you know, so it's just been I've just been very fortunate to be around men like that and coaches like that. Tommy Bowden, when I was in college, um, you know, and seeing Tommy's, you know, uh, Tommy was probably the only coach, you know, outside of my dad until that point, you know, and when I was in high school, didn't have a whole lot of profanity because my dad wouldn't put up with it. You know, it was, it, I never heard my dad cuss, you know, and so, you know, it was just no profanity. Get to college and it was a little bit different. Uh, there was profanity everywhere, you know, but um, Tommy Bowden was the one guy that you didn't hear it from. Um, and, and Tommy, his witness, you know, that part of it right there, I'm a no profanity, you know, we have zero tolerance for profanity here. Um, from coaches or players, and, and a lot of wow. it comes from my dad, and a lot of it comes from like Tommy Bowden, you know, and then Bill Gray at Sanford, and you know, and K- Coach Gailey, you know, never heard him cuss, you know, type of thing. So just men like that of you know, just walking through, um, and just being fortunate and being blessed to be around men like that and have those relationships with those men, especially early in your career of being able to see that and see it done, um, to to be able to sort of give you. I guess the confidence that it can be done and the, the, I didn't know any different. Yeah. I'll be honest with you. I, I, I did not know any different than the, that's just how it's been done because of the men that I was around. I, I just, that's the only way I sort of knew how to coach and, and what to do. I didn't know that you were supposed to go out there and cuss and be crazy and all that kind of stuff. And I never saw it in high school, never saw it growing up. I guess I lived a, a sheltered life in a way, but I'm very thankful uh, that my dad did shelter me in those ways uh, because it still, to this day, makes me who I am. That's wonderful. There's a lot to unpack in what all you just said. <laughs> I want to start with 25 years old, being the head coach at Henderson State. Wow. What was it like to step into that locker room, to influence those kids, knowing that they couldn't have been but a couple of years younger than you? You know, for our audience, a lot of them are in that age range. And they're going out and trying to make their way in the world. What advice would you give to twenty-five year old your twenty-five year old self as you took that job? It was a it was a challenge, um, for sure. Um, as much as anything, you know, um, and 
it went both ways. Um, probably one of the biggest challenges for me um, was leading our coaching staff because um, I was obviously the youngest one on the staff and I was the head coach. I was the leader. Um, I was the one that made the decisions, not them. Um, it was me. Um, and now to – I mean, the defense coordinator is the defense coordinator at Colorado right now. The offense coordinator is the offense coordinator at TCU right now. Uh, and so pretty pretty knowledgeable guys, pretty wow. good coaches. Uh, but we were all very good friends and still are very good friends to this day. Uh, the difference was, um, you know, and love them to death, but they weren't quite as strong a Christian as I was. They weren't where I was spiritually. Um, and it was one of those things to where, um, once again, I learned – um, from my dad growing up and even being in the locker room, you know, and playing at Auburn is that not everybody's going to be where you are spiritually and that's okay. Um, but you don't, you don't go down where they are. You stay where you are and you keep living where you are and keep growing in Christ and keep being an example for them too, but love them where they are. Don't, don't, don't expect them to be where you are. Love them where they are. Um, and, and I think that was probably the best thing that I learned through that is is because it got it would be frustrating at times because here I am um, still wanting to have no profanity and, and a couple of the coaches that I had were very you know big cussers and would have to bring them in and talk to them and and that that was difficult it wasn't easy as a 25 year old to bring a 45 50 year old man that had that had been doing this his whole life and like who are you to tell me how to act but it was one of those things look man. I'm sorry, but I'm the head coach. I'm sitting in this seat, and as long as I'm sitting in this seat, this is how we're going to do things. Yeah, you know, I'm sorry that you don't like it, but I can't live with myself if I if I don't hold true to my values and, and who I am. Um, and so, um, and it was like that with you know the players too. It was you know of holding them to a certain standard, to holding them accountable. Um, but it was sure not easy. I mean, not at all. Um, probably why I didn't last but two years as the head coach there. Uh, you know, but I do think we set a great foundation uh, for a lot of young people, uh, for those coaches. I still hear from them to this day from several of those guys, um, and it's neat to hear um, every once in a while the thank you, um, Coach, for, for what you did um, you know, because I, I was – the thing that I'm fortunate with and blessed, blessed with is I am who I am and I always have been. Um, I don't apologize for it. I don't run from it. Um, I've been very secure with who I am my whole life. Um, and a lot of that's because of my, I go back, it's because of my dad. I've watched him my whole life of being very secure with who he is. And that's being a Christian first and then everything else second, you know, but, you know, a husband, a, a father, a coach, whatever it is, but I'm a, I'm a Christian first and I'm going to do what, what I know is right, you know, uh, by Jesus Christ and by God, I'm going to follow them and then everything else will take care of itself. And so, um, so, but yeah, as a 25 year old, it was very difficult to lead in both directions. Um, you had to lead guys that were older than you, and you had to lead guys that were just barely younger than you. Um, and so, um, it was a, it was absolutely a challenge, and that was the biggest challenge of of the job is the leadership role um, of of leading um, in both directions. It was it was overwhelming at times. I had a very good athletic director that had been the, um, an assistant coach at Arkansas for a long time. He was an older gentleman, um, very strong Christian man um, that really, really, really helped me um, through so much of that. Um, and just very, once again, God just placed the right person there um, to really give me the courage and the strength. But, Joe, the other thing I found, um, whenever I take a job, when you are an outspoken Christian, there's so many Christians around that just are scared or hesitant or whatever. And when they find that one person that's not afraid to speak out for Christ, that's not afraid to be who you are and and not you know be that per you know just just be a Christian and be an authentic Christian. Um, it's amazing how many people gravitate to that person and how many people I found that would come and be by my side and encourage me that it may have been the volleyball coach. It may have been, you know, the athletic director. It may have been this person over on campus that I didn't even know. But because I was a Christian and I was outspoken and I was not going to hide from it, I wasn't ashamed of it, it gave them the courage to be the same way. And they would seek me out 
um, and we would have a relationship because of that. And that would God that was God's way of giving me those people around me to to give me the courage, to give me you know the strength, all those kind of things. So like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you you got to have people around you. You can't do it by yourself. Um, but sometimes it's hard to find those people. But I do believe that when you go in. Um, and everywhere I've been, when you walk in and you are outspoken for Jesus Christ, those others will come out because they've been waiting for somebody like that. Um, and they're, they're strong Christians. They just haven't had a voice or whatever. Now, all of a sudden, in a way, you give them the opportunity to have a voice. Um, and they sort of come alongside you to give you that encouragement, and that strength, you know, as, as you walk through life with them. You know, I believe firmly in spiritual warfare, and I believe that the enemy is trying to attack us, and he is constantly trying to change our perspective on whether we can talk about Christianity. You are so open and out about your Christianity, but you work in a world of public service. And so I'm curious, how are others receptive to the strength of your faith, and what do you, how do you manage that in a public setting? Um, I, like I said, I think that there, there, we live in a society today that there's a, a, a lot of closet Christians, so to speak. Um, mm-hmm. there's a lot of, of Christians that are, um, that are very strong, but that are scared to say anything. Um, and when somebody comes along and they're not afraid to say anything, it gives those others courage to come out of the closet, um, so to speak. And I think that, that, that's happened to me in in so many cases to where, you know, when I walk in, cause I, I'm not, I'm not a, and, and I'm with you hundred percent that, that there is no doubt that, um, that there's spiritual warfare out there constantly. And, um, I'm constantly praying every morning throughout the day, um, at night that God will just continue to show favor on us, continue to protect us, continue to, to put his wings like eagles over us and just, and keep the enemy away from us. Um, you know, so it's, it's constant prayer, um, over that, over that, that constant battle with Satan and, and keeping him, um, you know, from attacking my family, attacking me, um, you know, whatever it may be, um, you know, just keeping our, his, his protection over us, you know, and so, um, but you know, it's, we are, uh, it's hard to answer that question to be honest with you, because it's just, it's who I am. I, I go back and I, I don't, I mean, I don't think it's anything special. I don't think it's anything. I mean, Jesus lives inside of me and without him, I am nothing. Um, and so how can I not go around and tell people who Jesus Christ is? How can I not, you know, tell them a story from the Bible? How can I not tell them what has given me my success? Because it's nothing I've done. It's, it's nothing. I don't have the talent. I don't have the ability. I don't have any of that to do what I do. Um, God isn't, has given me the ability to do all of it. And, and even at that is not, you know, nothing special. It's just, you know, I just, I love him. I love Jesus. I love God. I'm, I'm so thankful for what they've given me, what, what the blessings that I have, um, that it's hard not to, to share. Um, you know, but one of the couple stories, you know, I go back to, to my dad's story that I was telling you about earlier when my, when I was probably the biggest impact on my life of all time. Um, and I'll cry telling the story. It's amazing. Uh, my dad, as a, when I was in eighth and ninth grade, my dad was at Albertville high school in North Alabama. Um, as an eighth grader, my dad took him to the first playoff game they ever had. Um, uh, we went on the road and got beat the second year. He hosted the first playoff in the history of the school. Um, had a successful season. Um, Never forget that March, um, he and I were doing inventory, you know, because I was the ninth grade quarterback. My brother was a senior, had just got finished playing his last year, was about to graduate. I was about to be a 10th grader. Um, We're getting inventory, getting everything ready for spring practice. Um, And the next thing I know, on a Thursday night, the board votes to um, fire him. Um, And I'm thinking, are you, you crazy? I mean, this is the winningest coach you've ever had. First time you've ever been to the playoffs and you're firing this guy. You know, wow. so I'm just so full of anger, of bitterment, of bitterness, of just, just, just couldn't understand. And so I'll never forget it. That Friday, he was fired on a Thursday. That Friday, he called for a team meeting in the afternoon. Um, and I'll never forget going to that team meeting. And, and I, I, very clear, old field house that we had there in the, 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 at the stadium, 
um, had chairs set up, and I sat in the back row um, because I knew some of the dads that of the kids that were in there that were sort of behind it, and um, you know, and so I sat in the back row just thinking, okay, I pray one of you opens your mouth because I promise you it's going to be a fight right here. You may whip me, but we're about to fight. I'm coming out of the back row, and I it's, it's game on. Um, I didn't want to sit in the front. I wanted in the back. I, I, I was ready to fight with my dad. Let's, let's, we're going to fight our way out of here. Um, and next thing I know, my dad starts sharing Christ with them and telling them the most important decision they'll ever make is what they do with Jesus Christ. Wow. And I sat there in the back row thinking, Dad, what are you doing? You can't do this. These guys are the ones that fired you. Their parents are the ones that want you gone. And you're sitting here sharing Christ with them? No, that this isn't going to happen. And he shared Christ with them. When he got finished, he said, I'm going to walk outside. If anybody wants to talk to me, I'll be standing outside. He walked outside. About four or five guys walked out to him and prayed to receive Christ. And those guys still to this day will keep up with my dad, will keep up with me, will keep up with my brother and ask how dad's doing, keep up with us, because he absolutely changed their life. And he changed that city. There's no doubt in my mind he changed that city from that one moment because those guys are now leaders in the city. Their kids are now going through. And there's no doubt that he changed so many lives by him getting fired and sharing Christ when it was the exact opposite of what I wanted to happen. And so from that moment on, my perspective and who, I guess, Jesus Christ is, my role completely changed. That I realized that God could take things that we don't understand and things that, that we are angry with, that we're mad with, that we, that we don't want to happen but Genesis 50, 20 tells me that you intended it for good, but God intended it, you intended it for harm, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. And I saw the saving of many lives right there as a ninth grader through my dad getting fired, who what I thought was a bad moment. I sat there and watched the saving of many lives. And so, you know, for me now looking at it, um, it's almost like being fired is a blessing, if that makes sense. Um, because now I see how lives can be changed through those those moments. Um, and I'm after that, it was one of those moments to where it was like, okay, God, I kind of get it. I kind of get that, that you're in control no matter what happens, no matter if we're fired, no matter if we, if we have success, no matter what happens, you're in control. And I just want to, to I just want to serve you. I just want to tell others about you. Um, and so I was fortunate, like I said, as a ninth grader to, to witness that and watch my dad do that and watch people come to Christ through what I perceived as being something bad, but God intended it for good. Um, and he did save lives through that um, for eternity. Um, and so I just I view my calling as a coach differently. I view my calling as a coach as, as we have the opportunity to save lives, you know, for eternity. Um, and if that means I get fired from somewhere, then, you know, you intended to harm me, but God is, God's about to turn it for good because I can assure you the last team meeting is going to be of the gospel presentation, um, you know, and so the gospel is going to be shared on my way out the door again. Um, and so I think that, that because of that, because of that moment, there's very little fear of sharing the gospel. There's very little fear of being fired um, there, because God showed me that even in that time, once again, he took me somewhere else as a 10th, 11th, 12th grader that gave me the opportunity to be around great players to get me to Auburn, um, that I'm not sure if I'd have gotten there from Albertville, Alabama. Um, but when he, when I went to Etowah, I, I was around great players to get there. So I just, I saw God do things in that moment when I didn't understand and didn't think it was possible to where now it's pretty, for me, it's pretty easy to trust God. It's pretty easy to know that he's never failed me and he never will. And um, so even when the world perceives it as a failure, even when the world thinks that, oh, yeah, look at it now. No, God, God's going to be in control. God is God and, and, and he is going to handle all situations. And so I guess, you know, just seeing that as an, at an early age, 
gave me the strength and the confidence to know that you know it really doesn't matter. I mean, all this, all this other stuff is just it doesn't matter at the end of the day what job you have or whatever. What matters is that we're sharing Christ and that we're living it out, that we're living for Jesus. You know, at the end of the day, is really what matters. You know, this has been awesome so far, and I just appreciate you sharing about faith in the workplace. But I also want to talk about, I know you're a very proud father. And so we talked for a minute about leading your family and what it's like for you to influence them the way your dad has had such a profound influence on you. I think it's, you know, it, um, just very blessed. Um, you know, when, when my kids were growing up, I was in college coaching um, for the majority of their childhood or their whole childhood, really. Um, and I guess after um, I got fired at the University of Miami in 2008 or nine, right around in that range and um, was home a lot more and just realized all that I was missing. Um, you know, yes, um, I was a good dad. I was always around as much as I could, all that. But I realized that um, I was not investing in their life quite like I wanted to, especially my girls. Um, I've got two girls. I've got a 25-year-old to a 15-year-old. And, um, you know, so we've got five kids. And, you know, one of them is adopted that we adopted when we were at Pinson as a 10th grader um, that, you know, in our story, I'll just tell you my family. I've got an older daughter that's 25. Her husband is a baseball coach at Eastern Kentucky. Um, then I've got Bo and Tez, who are my next two. Bo's obviously quarterback at Oregon. Um, Tez is a wide receiver at Oregon. Um, and then I've got Caleb is my next one. Caleb is a freshman safety at Clemson. Um, and then I've got a ninth grader, Sarah, who's who's here with me at Central High School. Um, and so um, our our life is, is extremely blessed um, with our kids. Um, and, and it was a conscious effort, young, to invest in our kids. And, and you know, to me, um, it's the greatest disciples that we have, um, that, that, that I wanted my kids. And, and it wasn't, it just, it goes back the same way I grew up. You know, I wanted my kids to see me in action. I wanted them to see me live out the faith. Um, and so that's one of the big reasons why, um, I went to high school from college because I knew they were going to be able to walk the hallways um, and everybody in those hallways, every student, every faculty member, everybody was going to know that Coach Nix was a Christian and stood for Christ and was going to do it the right way. Um, and I can almost guarantee that they were going to get to see a daily example of somebody living it out, um, not just pretending, not just talking about it, um, not somebody that I didn't really know what was going on behind the scenes. No, this is me. I can control it. I, I know what's going on behind the scenes. I know what's going on, and I can let them see somebody live out the Christian faith on a daily basis Um in, in real life and somebody, you know, from seeing it at home to seeing it at the workplace, to seeing it around people, to seeing every bit of it. And so, um, so I, I wanted to be able to do that for my kids. Like my dad had done for me, um, is them being able to, to us sort of be in the ministry together, if that makes sense. Um, that when sure. I was in high school coaching, when I was walking the halls, um, with my daughter, um, you know, when, when she was, we were in Scottsboro of, of being in FCA together, of having Bible studies of being, you know, part of the youth group of just being, being a part of all that and letting her see, you know, Jesus Christ through me and how I lived so it could go into her so that, and now she has, she's a nurse. She has an incredible ministry with her, the nurses around her and, um, the other wives around her by seeing, you know, another thing that I haven't mentioned that, that has been absolutely the solid rock is my wife, um, of, of being with me for, for all these years. We were married in 1995. And, um, before I finished playing, I got married going into my senior year of playing. Um, and so she's been through everything from being a, you know, a player's girlfriend, a player's wife, a coach's wife, now a mother, you know, of a player. I mean, she's been through everything that you can imagine of, you know, of being through sports um, and just her witness and her, you know, love for Jesus Christ is incredible. Um, and just being, having her there with me, raising our kids. Um, and truly, I think that, that um, it has been very intentional. Um, I think that if I could use any word with raising, with raising your kids is, is be very intentional. Um, don't just raise your kids. Don't just be around them. 
Be very intentional when you're raising them. Um, be very intentional with places that you take them so that they can, you know, can learn life lessons. Be very intentional with things that you can do to help them. Um, you know, because I think that that, you know, for me, uh, Chris and I were very intentional with the things that we've done um, in, in, in raising our kids and, and taking them and, and, and not, we haven't necessarily haven't always been sheltered. You know, they don't go to private schools. They don't do this, that. No, we've lived from Arkansas to Atlanta to Miami to Charleston, um, lived all over the place, and, and they've experienced it, experienced all sorts of different things, all sorts of different people, um, but the whole time knowing who they are, you know, and knowing what they stand for. Um, and, and I think that, you know, it's just been in, in you know, a, a great journey of, of truly being intentional with trying to raise up godly men and women um, that are that are going to go out um, and have an impact wherever they are. Um, because I truly, you know, yes, they are my kids, but they are also disciples of Jesus Christ. And, um, and you know, at church not too long ago, you know, at Church Highlands, Pastor Chris talked about, you know, our kids having, um, you know, a calling and preparing them and then placing them. Um, and it's funny, I've been praying that for a long time, that, that God would give my kids a calling, that he would give them the purpose in life, that calling in life that they have, and that I would help prepare them, that Chris and I would help prepare them, that God would show us different ways to do that, that, that he would that he would use us and use experiences to prepare them for one day for their placing, wherever they're going to be placed, whether it's in Eugene, Oregon, whether it's in Richmond, Kentucky, Clemson, South Carolina, you know, Phoenix City, Alabama, wherever it is, God has called us there. Um, and so part of my, um, you know, I guess challenge, I guess felt like my calling was to prepare my kids for those moments um, and be very intentional with preparing them for those moments um, and, and, you know, letting them see me live it, but also let them live it uh, when they were with me so that, you know, they understood how to share the gospel. And, you know, and maybe I'm taking them somewhere and they're sharing the gospel and I'm there with them, um, but they're getting to share it or we're going on a mission trip or whatever it may be, but being very intentional to truly prepare them um, for wherever they are placed for their calling, you know, later on in life. And so um, just been very fortunate that God has given us those opportunities. Um, and a lot of it has been, you know, through prayer that, that, that we've just prayed that God give us the opportunities to continue to prepare our kids and continue to prepare our kids for whatever you are calling them to do and wherever you place them. Um, you know, so um, just very fortunate, very blessed, um, you know, and, and it's a constant daily prayer for them, um, you know, that, um, it's it's a never ending, and, and those of us that are parents know um, that when they're kids, you know, you think you've got a bunch of problems. You wait until they get old, um, and then those problems become really big and serious problems as they get older. And um, and so your prayer life as they get older, you think is, is just incredible. Um, and I, I'm almost convinced that's why they get out of your house so God gives you more time so you can pray for them. Um, because they need even more prayer. They don't need your attention and your time as much now. They need prayer. Um, and so a lot of time spent in praying for my kids, um, praying over my kids. Um, and once again, they know um, they know what we stand for. They know, you know who I am. They know who they are. Um, they know who their grandparents are. Um, they know what who their mom is. They know what we stand for. Um, and, and I'm thankful that my wife and I, Krista and I have been able to, to give them those examples and let them see, um, you know, what it is like to, to, you know, for a wife to live out and be a Christian, for a mom to be a Christian, for a dad to be a Christian and truly live it, not just talk about it, but truly live it. All right, coach. One last question. The Clemson ends up playing Oregon in a bowl game. Are you wearing green or are you wearing orange? Well, we have we we talk about that often, to be honest with you. Um, and my my youngest one is who's the safety. Um, make sure that both of them know that I will inter- He's going to intercept the pass, and he's going to tackle the. You know, he's going to intercept Bowie, and he's going to tackle <laughs> Tess. Um, you know, and, and and so there's there's some talk. Um, that would be a dream come true. There's no doubt. Um, and it would be very difficult. Um, a lot of it, quite honestly, depending on how much Caleb's playing, being so being a young guy. Um, yeah. You know, he didn't get to play last year. He redshirted, so depending on how much he would play. Obviously, 
Um, Bo is going to play. Tez is going to play. So um, if Caleb is not playing as much, I would probably lean a little bit to Oregon because of that. Um, but if, if they're all playing, it will be difficult. You know, if, if they were on the – like if they're all on offense, I'd just pull for offense. But with, with Caleb being on defense now, um, it makes it a little difficult because they're on the field. They could possibly be on the field at the same time. Um, which would make things a, a little bit difficult, but but that would be an absolute dream come true. Um, is to to have that would be a lot of fun, um, you know. But just th- just thankful for all of them. Thankful that they're getting to to live out their dreams. Thankful that they're getting to um, to play college football. Thankful they're getting to have the 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 platform that they have to share Christ. Uh, very proud of each of each one of them for the for the platforms that they have and how they're using them. Um, and how involved in whether it be FCA or church or, you know, just simple fact of when they walk in the doors um, that people know that they're a Christian, you know, because of the way they're living, not because of, you know, nobody in Oregon knows who Patrick Nix is and nobody really at Clemson knows who Patrick Nix is. Um, but when they walk in the door, it's awesome to see that they know who Caleb Nix is and they know what he stands for and they know who Bo Nix is. They know what he stands for. They know who Tez Johnson is. They know what he stands for. Um, you know, so – as a dad, I'm very proud of that and very thankful for that, that they they represent Jesus Christ. Um, you know, and, and, and as a dad, you can't ask for much more, you know, than that. Wherever they go, they represent Jesus Christ and everybody, and people know it. Um, and there's pressure that comes along with it, but it's the greatest kind of pressure that you can imagine is that kind of pressure. You're obviously a proud dad, a really good dad, and a great coach. And uh, Coach Nix, we just thank you for your time today, for being on the show, for giving us the opportunity to hear your wisdom and to hear about your life and to also hear about how you're bringing faith to the workplace. Uh, For all of our audience out there today, I just encourage you two uh, points of interest. Number one, please sign up for our newsletter and continue to follow us on social media. But also we're announcing that we have a big event come August 24th where Tim Tebow is going to be coming to Columbus, Georgia to talk about his faith journey and what he's going to be doing. So we encourage you, if you're interested, look forward on our website. We'll talk soon. God bless and Godspeed. We want to thank you for joining us for this edition of the Redeemed Man podcast. We hope you come away with this episode feeling energized and better equipped to face life's challenges. Like, follow, and connect with us on social media to stay up to date with the redeemed. Above all, we hope you remember that no matter how broken you feel, God's love is for everyone and hope is within reach.